friends, welcome to episode 183 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I am still trying to get things together. Yeah, <laughs> Kind of, kind of lost track of time a yeah, little bit. We we're just like a rushing down here, like, oh, we 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 have to be on the air in like two minutes. <laughs> but we got we got the tea going. Yeah, We've we're got we're we're, we're steeping. We're doing all right. Uh, I didn't I didn't finish this this delectable little dessert that you picked up at a cute little thing on your vacation. Yeah, cute little thing. Uh, for those of you who might be in the Florida area or Disney fans, I. Uh, while I was out, I went to Gideon's Bakehouse, uh, which is a lovely place to get all kinds of tasty goodness uh and they had for the holidays these bites which basically are like they effectively got their broken cookies and mm-hmm. then just dipped them in dark chocolate and then put them all in a bag <laughs> <laughs> and it's they are delectable and yeah. dense and amazing so I mean, you, can, uh, you can pretty much serve me shoe leather as long as you dip it in dark chocolate so uh yeah no i'm very much enjoying this so I'll, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it i i, I will I I will give you time to enjoy it while we're having the conversation here because uh I'd be like, Rob, what's a linchpin? Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Hopefully the uh it won't carry over the mics too too poorly. So. No, no, no. I'll, I will definitely try to not not eat in front of the mic. That's uh, with someone with misophonia. I know I know how horrible that is. Exactly, exactly. So, uh without much ado cuz we don't have anything else going on. Well, we, I mean, we kind of do. I I want to I I just kind of want to mention just you know before we roll in, I've got sure. I've got my game coming up this weekend. Oh, that's right. That's we we do have your game on this weekend. Um I have been uh 3D printing stuff like a mad woman. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, yes, you have. I will use Mad Woman. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, so I do this thing where I'm I'm a, I'm the sweaty tryhard of the group, mm-hmm. and like I need to have print. Uh, so if, if you're on the Discord, you probably saw the the band of Khajiit monks that I uh, that I threw together. Beautiful. Um, got those all painted up. Uh, painted a commission for our friend uh, for our friend Stephen Wendy. Um, I've got that all set to go. Um. And whatnot, uh, but uh, I've been busily printing uh, tavern furniture. Yeah. Um, when we can get the prints to come out, we're having some problems with it. We had to order new resin. Like it's like everything's been trying to to stop us from three D printing all this stuff. But it's it's that uh, you know last minute squeeze. Oh yeah. That yeah. There, there's always going to be a breakdown, and you'll have to duct tape and you know use you know uh, snot and baling wire to finish it off, kind of a thing. The good news is like I think I've got enough there that like I can throw it together and it'll look good. But. Um... Uh, I'm 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 busily getting ready, so so we're gonna be able to drop some some pictures of that on the Discord uh, as I as I get it finished up. Um, I also put some pictures of some work in project progress pictures up there mm-hmm. uh, of me like hand drawing the cobblestone in the kitchen area of the tavern, and man, that was tedious. I forgot how much that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, besides even the tavern, you've been trying to work on the town. Uh, yeah, your city block, if you will. Uh, I didn't actually get any progress done on that um, because uh, on vacation, of course, my cat got sick, and I had to work on other projects and whatnot. And like Thursday rolled around, and I'm like, I haven't done anything of my own projects and stuff. So uh, that that project is unfortunately a little bit on hold. So what I did was I reached out to one of our other friends who uh, has a full Mordheim table. That mm. we put together, okay, um, and it's modular in that it is broken into two foot by two foot sections. Yeah, and two foot is exactly the size of my my typical boards. Yeah, yeah. So I asked them to uh, to bring one of the ones that don't have the canal cut into it, 
Uh, there and you go. A, a little bit of the scatter, the city scatter train and stuff like that. So yeah. at least if if uh, we do end up needing miniatures out and about in the town, we'll have something to throw down. There you go. Good, there you so. go. But holy cow! Yeah, that's just <laughs> it's been it's been stress. I've been yeah. It's it's one of those games where um, uh, I'm gonna have to open it with a preamble for you guys. Yeah. Uh, basically going like, uh, I kind of wrote a little bit of everything, but nothing at the same time, because I kind of don't know what you guys are planning to do. So this is going to be very player driven. So by all means, if you're waiting for me to make a hard move or waiting for me to initiate a plot, don't. This is your, <laughs> this is your chance. Do let's, it. Just do it. Just do things and I will roll with your punches. Let's there go, go. You know. There we go. So there we go. Well, I look forward to it because I, uh, knowing how our group is and where what we're coming back from and what we're moving into and what's available to us, there's there's a lot to role play. It's going to be a catches catch can of who's who's got the energy to push into it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. Um, and what I'm really liking is that you guys are even picking up on some of the subtler ones. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I've been dropping out there and, yeah. and leaning into them. Yeah. Um, so honestly, yeah, the, the the plot's progressing in a very very nice way, and I feel very comfortable where about where it's going. Awesome, awesome. I, do we have anything else? I don't think so. Uh, we would have had Mouse Guard last weekend, but unfortunately, um, it got delayed. Our uh, our, our storyteller's uh, wife uh, was uh, a little bit sick, so yep. feeling better now. Yes, we're glad to hear that. Feeling better, and we're we're a big big shout out to Pamela uh, and Matthew. So uh, we love you both, and hope everybody's uh, feeling better. Yep, we hope everything moves in the right direction. Yep. So. With that being said, it's the first of the month. It's the first, first of the show month. of the month, I should say. And in that, we're doing our we're continuing our one on one series. Yeah. Um, last month, uh, we left off with rolling with the punches, uh, which really is just how to was how to uh, manage as things are moving on and what planning really means in regards to that. And the truth is, it's improv. Yeah, yeah. And it's a skill you develop. It's something that you, the more you do it the better you will be and the better you'll be able to handle things. Sure. But, I mean, there's also the statements, the mm-hmm. the, the yes and that everybody wants to hear, the no but, which is something we kind of feel like, and yep. the hard no that goes in that, as well as just the fact that preparation is important, even for improv. Yeah, it's it's about, you know... It's it's about having the, the setting yourself up for success. Correct. Having just enough prepared that if they go in a certain direction, you're not completely blind. And in much like your case that you just described within your own game, you're not sure where we're going. We're literally coming back from an adventure, mm-hmm. kind of back to home. Yeah. And now we have this plethora of B plots sitting around. Yeah, yeah. And where do we go? But you know the motivations. You know the actions. You know the players that are involved. As is as the NPCs, I should mm-hmm. say, that are involved and what their direction is. So your prep is laid. Well, my, my prep was laid at the end of last game yeah. because one of the questions we've incorporated into our breakdown of Wishes and Stars is what do you want to see happen next game? Mm-hmm. And every single one of you said you wanted to follow up on the Khajiit, uh, the Khajiit monk plot. So you prepped it. So we, so we've got some prep there. I don't know how you're going to handle it, but I've got a number of frameworks ready that I can. Support, that will support my improv in whatever decisions you guys make. Yeah. And not to say any difference in this, but like my game, you guys are coming back from an adventure back to the city. Mm-hmm. There's there's a line, but effectively you have a choice and how you're going to handle it is any number of ways. So I have to do much the same yep. um, with mine. There's a direction that meant that you guys all kind of went in with the fact that you want to 
go after Bulgren mm-hmm. and and recover the other NPCs who are friends of yours. Um, but there's also this beholder situation that's kind of lingering and whether or not that's going to be part of it or not. But I have to have all these components ready to go mm-hmm. on the off chance that you guys run in a particular direction. So it's, it is improv that we don't know as storytellers really where our players are going to go, whether they're going to do something of the day or night or whether they're going to talk to a specific individual or hunt somebody down. But knowing how all the pieces move and being prepared for those scenes that are set start, stems from asking your players, what are you doing next? Yeah. What do you want as a player to see your characters be involved with, even if it's not something your character is wanting to be involved with? Yep. And that's, yep. that, that's where it goes there. This <laughs> month, we came up with the football. Now... This doesn't necessarily tie directly back to uh, to the the previous one of rolling with the punches, but it does on a much, I would say, on a more grand scale. Now, when we first started discussing this, I know I confused the heck out of you because you were like, "I know what a MacGuffin is." Oh I'm, yeah, I'm comfortable yeah, yeah. with that. Why are you? What, what is this linchpin? How are you you thinking to use this in here? <laughs> and uh, for me, it it made sense, but I couldn't really describe it. Until we sat down and and I started sitting down and putting stuff to paper. Um, So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the writing term, um, a MacGuffin itself um, and uh, or sometimes, you know, whether it's a MacGuffin or a MacGuffin is an object, a device or an event that is necessary to the plot and the motivations of the characters. But it's insignificant and unimportant or irrelevant in itself, meaning the football in a football game, is literally just a ball made of pigskin. It is kind of insignificant in its own right. It has no inherent thing. It's not like it's going to give you godlike powers or anything like that. It is just a thing that, strangely enough, the plot of both teams wanting it mm-hmm. and to do something with it is very significant. Yep. If it is removed, it changes everything. Yep. You know, and, and that happens. got a bunch of boys wrestling. Exactly, exactly. So... That in itself is the MacGuffin. <clears throat> a linchpin is an essential component of a whole. Something that which, if it's not there, everything else falls apart. And this is where linchpins and MacGuffins kind of tie together. And that is is that when we look at a football, physical football, as the MacGuffin, the linchpin is the game itself. The rivalry between the teams. Because without that component of the story, mm-hmm. which is not the setting, it's not the theme, it is the linchpin. It's what makes the story happen. If you remove the rivalry between the teams, the game itself, the the MacGuffin doesn't make any sense at all. Nothing fits. It all just it's it doesn't it doesn't sit. There's nothing there to be done. Yep. It is a empty arena with people wandering around in it. Yeah, this one this one took me a little bit of like back and forth to really wrap my head around, but uh, um, I, I we came up with a, with a couple of examples uh, of like oh you know I think we'll we'll get there I think we'll we're get to the about, examples yeah yeah we'll get to the examples but yeah this this it's it's a little so if you're not getting it right away it's okay yeah, we'll, I, we'll roll into this I am you know one of the co-hosts of this podcast and I had to have a very long discussion with Rob last night yeah. about like hold on a second explain this to me again so let's start again with MacGuffins let's yes. let's kind of apply this to gaming itself where for some of us it's going to be very obvious uh, for others who are not familiar with the concept of MacGuffin um 
it's actually really, really old, the term. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's that it, the thing doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is how it's affecting the plot. Yeah, what it's 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 pinpoint. So, in an in a in the case of uh, a in, in gaming itself, if there's an object that the PCs have and the opposition wants and has, is in conflict over, that's the MacGuffin. Yep, the secret data from the Megacorp that a cyberpunk team has stolen. The PCs want it to either move it or to sell it. The enemies want to retrieve it or destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's a MacGuffin. It's simple. I mean, it's very... I, I think everybody who's played Shadowrun, Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, all, any of those style games has has had this exact plot. Yep, exactly. I'm sure. Uh, the magical orb, you know, in a fantasy game or whatever other item, you know, is is the magical orb, right? Right. PCs may need to protect it from the big bad evil guy, and the big bad evil guy needs it to do the world ending magic. I mean, it could be a ring. Yeah, Ooh, it, you know, yeah, it could be one <laughs> ring one, of power. Ju- just, just one, just ring? one ring, just one ring, just one ring, just okay, one ring. Yeah. So, um, or you know, another one like I was kind of thinking along the lines of uh, like a Firefly, you know, space game. If you're playing Traveler or something mm-hmm. like that, um, you know, the cargo. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get hired to move some mysterious cargo for a mysterious client. Uh, it doesn't even really matter what that cargo is. You know, third parties are going to be interested in, in it. Uh, pirates are going to pursue the PCs because of it. It's mm-hmm. going having that cargo, regardless of what it is, is going to cause complications for the PCs. Exactly. Now, the key to this, and you you kind of noticed that with the end when we were talking about uh, when we were using the the Firefly reference or this, the, you know, a, a a a group that is moving things, is that. The MacGuffin comes and goes. Mm-hmm. It's not required every single story to be there always. Mm-hmm. So, though your MacGuffin may be this orb of power right now, when it's destroyed, it doesn't... It, it, if it's a short story, maybe that ends the plot. That's it. Game's mm-hmm. over, right? But in most times, that's just one element that then moves to the next thing. Right. Right? You get the data to find out about the bomb to find you know to find the location to find the bomb that then ends the story of the mad bomber mm-hmm. right that that's how things progress in that so when you think about that the macguffin doesn't make the story in anything longer than a one act short story exactly right that's where linchpins come in and this is a concept a conceptual idea that holds the story together so when you're looking at something like um, Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the uh, four, five, and six. So starting with A New Hope, ending with uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, the linchpin of that story, what holds all of that together, and if it wasn't there, doesn't mean anything, is literally the Galactic War, the namesake of Star Wars between the Empire and a rebellion. If that wasn't going on. All of the attached stories, all the MacGuffins that are involved in that, all of those pieces don't matter. R2-D2 being the MacGuffin and uh, with the data on him, right? Mm-hmm. About a Death Star that needs to be destroyed. It doesn't matter if there is not a galactic conflict going on between these groups, right? Having players who are the leaders and the vision of the Rebellion being stranded in other places and having this pressure going on to them from this galactic war happening where they're being hunted, where they're being sought after, things like that are important 
to make sure that that stays within the story scope, even though the story isn't about that. Their individual stories aren't about ending the war mm -hmm. necessarily. They're about themselves um, all the way to the end, which finishes the story when the empire falls. That ends the story because you finished the linchpin that makes up those events. Yeah. Um, so for for me, I, I find it's best to conceptualize a linchpin um, as the kind of the, the intersection of a setting, a theme, and an inciting incident. I think if it's it's kind of the intersection of all three of those because it stands as that central pillar that all of the plot is tied to, but it isn't the setting. The setting is the galaxy far, Correct. far away Correct. in Star Wars. Yep. Um, it's not the theme. Nope. Because the theme is more, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the hero's journey, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the zeros to heroes sort of thing. Yep. Um, and it's not the inciting incident because the inciting incident is actually the droids showing up on Tatooine. Correct. One or, or, or arguably the rebellion stealing the plans for the Death, Death Star, Star yeah. which is really the thing, and and where those Death Star plans end up in the hands of, yeah, like that's that's the inciting incident. So none of that, none of those are the linchpin, oh. but kind of where all of those things intersect, you've got this war that they're all tied to, and Correct. that in and of itself is the linchpin. And so I started going through like other properties that I like mm -hmm. and finding the linchpins for them. Yeah. Um So we play the Division Two. Yep. Um. Uh. On and off, we've been on a yeah. bit of a hiatus. We came back recently. It's not a recent <clears throat> game by any means. Um, but uh, in the division, uh, in the division two, uh, after it, um, the inciting incident is this thing called uh the green poison, which is basically this big, um, weaponized smallpox outbreak that wipes out a lot, like a lot of the country. Mm -hmm. Um. And so it's a it's kind of a post apocalyptic game. Um. But the green poison in and of itself is the linchpin. Correct. Um. In that. The division itself, as protagonists, exists mm -hmm. because the green poison wiped out a bunch of the population and mm -hmm. destabilized the government. Mm -hmm. Okay, and still exists. And still exists. Um, it is the setting. It caused the po post-apocalyptic setting. Mm -hmm. So it's the it, it's it's tied into the setting. Um, it's tied into all of the major enemy factions. Mm -hmm. You've got the cleaners who run around with their flamethrowers trying to burn away the infection. Mm -hmm. You've got the rioters and looters that are out there taking advantage of the chaos. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the last man battalion in the first game, which is in uh, Black Tusk in the second one, mm -hmm. which are private military companies that have come in to try to, again, capitalize and maybe stabilize the chaos under their own military rule. Yeah. You know, you've got the refugees who are there hiding and trying to protect themselves outside of government control as best they can. And trying to rebuild in the wasteland because of the green poison that still exists. And yeah. then all of your plot lines, all of your 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 conflicts and stuff of that are born from that very same linchpin as well. Mm -hmm. OK, so like your missions in Division One are things like, well, we need a, an expert medical tech. You know, to, to help work on uh, on a cure for us, maybe. Yeah. So go here and rescue this person. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we need to turn the power back on so we can access these certain things. Go to the power plant. Oh, there are cleaners there. Yeah. You know, now, now get in a firefight with them. Yeah. Sort of thing. Everything in that game is because of the green poison. Yeah. That's your linchpin. Yep. If you remove the green poison, you don't have a game anymore. No. You it, don't have a story. If it's solved, if it doesn't exist, like, none of it matters then. Yeah. Like, it all just falls apart. And it can't be optional. Mm-mm. You know? Um, Castaway, the movie. Castaway with the Tom movie, Hanks. Yeah. Um, 
the linchpin of that story is he is stranded on an island. It is the inciting incident as mm-hmm. well. But if he is not stranded on the island, the story doesn't happen. Nothing else makes sense. If he was just on the coast of some other island and he didn't know that there was civilization, but the but the viewers did, it the story doesn't hold water. Yeah. It doesn't have meaning. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that and you can note that if you're watching something or reading something and the linchpin falls away or is solved, the story falls apart and feels awkward listless there, yeah there, there's a definite drift that happens to stories that lose their linchpins uh, and like like you would imagine would happen if you decoupled a train car you know um you pulled the pin on that suddenly there's nothing pulling it anymore and everything just starts to kind of come apart well and and i think that becomes kind of or or worse yet the linchpin never never the stories never stop because the linchpin doesn't ever get pulled or resolved Mm -hmm. you know stories that go on some mmos where it's basically this epic fight between two factions or three factions or four factions that goes on forever Mm -hmm. that there's no feeling of the linchpin moving right Mm -hmm. there's no chance for a wiggle at a certain point it just it's droning. Sure. I mean, I played World of Warcraft for, for yeah. quite some time. Um, uh, stopped right around, like, Cataclysm and then came back for Pandaria but haven't been back since. Right. Uh, just, just in case anybody's wondering. Yeah. Um, but in, in all that time, it was always Horde versus Alliance. Yeah. And even, like, uh, uh, in, like, the Wrath of the Lich King expansion, there were a couple times where it was like, oh, there's this greater evil. We need to put aside our differences and fight them. And then... Every single time something falls through, something falls apart where they go back at each other's throats again mm-hmm. because it's the linchpin. Yeah. They need to. Right. Otherwise, the whole story comes unraveled. Exactly. Exactly. So when you when you get to that point where you're looking to write and create your plot and understand it at its core level. Mm-hmm. We talked about writing plots. We talked about creating plots. We talked about pulling things together. The best thing to keep in your mind at a grand scale is your linchpin. If you know what your linchpin is, you can create MacGuffin after MacGuffin that follows it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know to protect it you just as well. Mine it for all the complications you can. Like, kind of like I was talking about with the, with the division, you mm-hmm. know? Okay, so the green poison destabilizes the uh, uh, the, the whole country. Lots mm-hmm. of people dead, um, government in shambles, you know, society has fallen, essentially. Right. What could happen? Just think. Just sit there and think. Mm-hmm. What are all the possible implications of that? What does society lose if it stops functioning? Right. What could people try to gain back? What would people take advantage of? What would the average person need? How yeah. would it be supplied then? How would they go about getting it? Mm-hmm. What powerful people would try to take advantage of the situation? What weak people would band together into a, str- a strong union to try to fight against those people? Yeah. You know, And all of those pieces, all of that energy that that becomes creative off of that comes back to that single statement of the linchpin that you've helped design for yourself Mm -hmm. so again if you're if you're looking to make a broader story and you're looking to make sure that things don't feel like they're falling apart and that you always can keep moving the proverbial football Mm -hmm. and letting it get carried back and forth even if it's not the same object 
you step away from the object and go back to the linchpin and then work from that point. Yeah. So some of the things that this then allows you to do is create plays. And we kind of came up with a short playlist here, and we can give you some examples of what we're talking about. And that is, is things that, once you have your linchpin, become easy to see in a general sense. Um, and there's more than this, by far. Yeah, we came yeah, up yeah. with these with just in a in a in a bulleted list where we were just talking about it, trying to figure out what is. Um, the most typical one, like a football game, is a tug of war. Yep. The PCs have the the linchpin or has the uh, the MacGuffin. The BBG has it. The PCs have it. The BBG has it. It keeps going back and forth. Yep. That happens a lot. Whether it's the princess in the castle, uh, the data, uh, a physical item. Sometimes it's just a concept. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not even something real. It's who has the hope of the people or has lost the hope of the people. You know, who has control of an area or does or has lost control there? Who has respect? Who doesn't? All of those are elements that can go into any number of stories. I often go back to the high school mm -hmm. concept. Right. So if the, the the setting of our story is the high school, it isn't the linchpin. Right. If the linchpin of our story for a high school is growing up and graduating mm -hmm. right we know there's an end to this so it's a it's a time-based linchpin you know not unlike the missiles will fire at midnight kind of a thing sure right? sure sure you know so it's a set up story that's going to go that way we can have tug of wars that happen in that but they're based upon what the players are doing so if i you know my players can create anything in a high school and then i have to create create, create stories around them if i know one of them is very smart i might create a debate story and work on a debate team that's trying to be built. And maybe there's a rival group trying to create the real debate team for the thing. Who has the eye of the, the school or the principal to be able to get that sign off and say, uh, you know, this is the actual debate team and these are our actual members, right? And maybe there's a, a rivalry that has to happen there as well. So the whole idea behind that is is that you're creating a conflict a tug of war that sits within the framework of the linchpin you only have a finite amount of time right the the end of the year will happen so decisions have to be made that all sit around that framework mm -hmm. of that linchpin but still has this play that's going on this tug of war mm -hmm. so if we then you know move to the most obvious one next which is your princess is in another castle. Yeah. So so many times. Waterdeep Dragon Heist did this one, uh, and this was uh, kind of annoying, actually. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's it's good. It's good if you pull it once. It's bad if you pull it more than once. I think. Yeah. Um. Uh, so your princess is in another castle. Is uh the MacGuffin isn't here? Check the next place. Yeah. You thought it was here, but it's actually not here. It's somewhere else. Um. Oh. Oops. Did you just did your did your screen go off on you? Uh, it did. Yeah. Aw. There we go. Okay, but um, so the princess in the castle is actually the uh, is a uh, reference to Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, uh, where literally you finish the level and the fireworks go off and you run in and it's Toad standing there saying, "I'm sorry, the princess is in another castle." Nice job kicking this guy's butt. Move on to the next one, mm. and you just keep doing that literally until you find the proverbial princess. Uh, but like I said, well, Waterdeep Dragon has did this one mm -hmm. uh, where there's a there's a there's a whole section of the plot where you've got to track down this uh, this automaton basically because mm -hmm. it's got this thing that you need. Right, and it's like okay, so you track it to the next location, and it's like oh, it's not here. 
but we're going to get in a fight with the people who are here. Right. Okay, so we track to the, the but but what we get when we win that fight is we get information on where it went. Right. So we go to the next place and it's not there anymore, but we're going to have a fight here and then we're going to figure out where it went. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go to the next place, rinse, lather, repeat. I think Sean said he cut out like five of those Oof. encounters in a row. The fact that there's five that he can cut out astounds me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm sorry if it doesn't make any sense. Uh, like, some of the plot points don't make sense because you're supposed to get some certain information here. But, like, I'm just not doing that to you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, like I say, it gets, it gets tiresome after a while, but it is a, it, it's fun to put one of these in um, once. Uh, so your next one, and this is one that I really like, is the unforeseen consequences slash unintended side effect. Um... And that is the MacGuffin turns out to not be what it was once thought to have been. Possessing it changes the story in a significant way. Um, so my mind went immediately to like Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, if anybody's played that, uh, it's a phenomenal PlayStation One game. Um, for the first half of the game, you are fighting over these things called the Zodiac Stones, which are said to be these holy relics. Um, there were these saints that defeated these these demons long ago, and the Zodiac Stones are supposed to have the souls of these saints in them. They're supposed to be super holy relics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not. And yeah. once at, at, at one very specific point in the story, so one of these things comes into play. One of the members of the church gets a hold of one of these quote-unquote holy stones and then invokes the demon that is locked inside of it and becomes that demon and you have to fight him and he's mean. Um, And you find out that that's essentially what's going on. These are not holy stones. These are very, very, very evil demonic stones. They're still the MacGuffin, but the nature of them has changed and with it, the plot that is tied to them has changed. Um, I think one of the other ones we were discussing was uh, Tom Riddle's diary in uh, the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and that is, um, I think, was it Ginny that has it at first? And it's like, oh, it's a little diary that talks to you and it teaches you spells and stuff. That, yep. that seems super cool and useful. Right. And then it turns out that, uh, no, actually, this is Voldemort's diary. <laughs> And uh, it's trying to corrupt you and steal your soul. Um, yet another, you know, MacGuffin that tur- starts off cool turns out to be supremely evil. And it might be the other way around, too. I mean, I think I've, I i can't think of any off the top of my head, but I think I've seen ones where it's like, oh, this thing is so dark and evil and it will wreck you. And then you get it and it's like, oh, what? No, this is great and it's powerful, you know? Yeah, I, I, I've seen some comedy ones where like, oh, this is a cursed sword. Great. Uh, it doesn't seem cursed. Have you tried to get it to shut up? Oh, no. And it's just annoying. It's literally just annoying. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, this this is annoying, but this isn't a problem, quote unquote, you know. <laughs> um, and and I think the, the closest one you can get is much closer to what you're talking about where the thing isn't what you think it is. Yeah. And and you and you know are we the baddies you know mm-hmm. kind of comes back out like those kind of moments um, are definitely something that can definitely come into that. Um, I think the 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 next progression of that is the thing needs to be got for the thing that needs to be got for the thing that needs to be got for the thing. Yeah, I, I call this one the quid pro quo. Yeah. Um. Right. And yeah, this is uh. There's there's 
everybody's everybody's seen this one. So happens in video games a lot. It's you gotta you gotta eat the spider to catch the fly. <laughs> yep, yep. You gotta to turn on the generator. You've gotta get through a, a certain area and unlock a specific door behind a certain person. Once the generator is on, oh, that'll activate the turrets before you can get to the next thing to take you know, and it's it's the next it, it's phase to phase to phase uh we talk a lot about uh deep space nine yeah uh and one of the i think one of the better episodes of deep space nine was uh just nog and jake doing this plot yeah because they they did the swap meet effectively there was a baseball card like some like signed babe ruth baseball yep. card or something like that, that, that that jake wanted to get for commander cisco for his birthday. huge baseball fan yep um huge baseball fan and it was like Okay, but we need, you know, 50 bars of gold-pressed latinum for it. Well, where the hell are we? We're kids. Where are we going to get 50 bars of gold-pressed latinum? Well, I happen to know this person who has an excess number of stim bolts, and if we can sell the stim bolts, we can get the money. Okay, but they'll only buy the stim bolts if we can get them four uh, cases of Ractuccino. You know, like, yeah. okay, but they'll only give us the Ractuccino if we can get, you know... X. And it turns into this, like, ten-step swap meet where yep. you get A to get B to get B to get C to get C to get D all the way down to get this baseball card. Yep. And it And was... it, it frames everything quite well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know? Um... Steal the beacon or bacon. Steal the bacon. I like steal the beacon because that's the one that people recognize from video games. But steal the bacon is literally the same thing. So um, back in the day, uh, we used to play this game called steal the bacon. Mm-hmm. And we would uh, have uh, two teams mm-hmm. would line up on either side of, uh, of a room. Mm-hmm. And you would put like a handkerchief or, or a um, uh, someone's hat or something like that in yep. the middle of the room. Right. Something small, something cloth, something easily grabbable. Mm-hmm. Put it equidistant between the two parties. Each team sends one person forward, and the goal is to steal the bacon. You need to grab that thing and return to your side without being tagged by the opposition. Once you pick it up, you're eligible to be tagged. Uh, if they tag you, they win. If you can get back without being tagged, you win. Yeah. Simple. So what steal the bacon MacGuffin plot move is, is that the MacGuffin is in no man's land. It's unclaimed, and differing parties are all going to clash over claiming it in the middle. Yes. Okay. This is usually the one where it's like um, the big bad evil guy wants to get the ancient super relic to do the bad evil magic, Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to go into the tomb, and we're going to get it, and now suddenly we get into the tomb, and he gets into the tomb, and the relic is in the middle, and now we're all going to fight over it. Yeah, Tomb Raider does this often. Yeah, yeah. Where it's a back and forth. Uh, a lot of the conflict games like uh, Call of Duty do this, where you, you've got to control zones, and sometimes they can get... But Battlefield did this. It was a huge part of it. Even in the campaign modes, it was still part of it. Um, that leads into the whole protection one, where you're defending something. Mm-hmm. Or now that you have it, you've got to keep it, and keep it from other people You know, uh, trying to take it away from you and or just simply destroy it. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, very, very common... Um, very common, very straightforward. I, I also think it goes with the, um, you know, escort concept. Oh, yeah. If your MacGuffin is a person. Yeah. And you have to oh. escort them safely somewhere. Same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the better offer. I, I The better offer was one that when you put it on there, it was like, oh, I mean, that is a thing. Uh-huh. You know, where a third party steps in and wants the MacGuffin and is willing to give you a better offer than the intended recipient. Oh, yeah. You see this one in, like, ga- cyberpunk-like uh, games, uh, Shadowrun and stuff like that all the time. Where, um, um, so 
John Johnson A hires the uh, hires the Shadowrunners to steal data from Megacorp whatever sure. from Megacorp X. They get the data stick and they mm-hmm. come back with it. They are met not by Johnson A, but by Johnson B, who has nothing to do with Johnson A. Yeah, third party altogether, and says, "Hey, heard on heard through the grapevine, you guys pulled a heist, and you are in possession of a certain a certain a certain amount of data. I know your Johnson is willing to pay you X amount, but what if I pay you X plus fifty yeah. amount? And sometimes it's not even that you have the data yet. Sometimes it's, I believe you're getting it tomorrow night. I'm willing to make you a better offer. Yep." You know, and you see this in movies where like uh, someone's doing some. Driver, I think, has done this a few times, or uh, the not the driver, uh, uh, but it was it's one of the drive drive movies where mm-hmm. basically like, hey, if you don't do this and just turn it over to me, don't worry about it. We'll move on, right? And I'll pay you twice whatever they're asking. Like, nope, got to finish my job. You know, well, sorry, gonna have to kill you now, kind of a thing. <laughs> You know, it's it's that or other parties involved are just trying to stop the process. So all of those come into play and can be played with. And again, all of these sit around that common linchpin, right? They all sit within the scope of it to make it functional, not involving it. Mm-hmm. They're involving the fringe of it, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, Boba Fett going after Han Solo is literally a side story amongst the galactic war mm-hmm. that's going on, right? It's affecting him. It's affecting that storyline. And without it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that it's there. Like, yeah, there's always going to be smugglers and things like that, no matter what's going on. But you need to have a reason for them to be wheeling and dealing in a black market world. Yeah. Because there has to be some kind of oppression and some kind of trade things that are going on some above Some kind of them. desperation that people are taking advantage correct, of, yeah. Correct, And that's where you need to sit at that level higher to understand where everything else fits in. I've seen so many times where people are like, oh, my player's outright killed my BBEG and now everything's over for my game. Why? Why Why what, were they the linchpin of your story? Yeah, What's what really is your linchpin? What was your BBEG trying to accomplish? And that's your linchpin. Right, because you know? if you keep, even if your BBEG dies, and this is this is one of the coolest concepts when you if you can really wrap your brain around it, it doesn't matter if your big bad evil guy dies. If his plan was something that was owned and is the story, then someone will pick that up. His lead henchman will pick it up and become him to carry on that and now has purpose. Now there's now there's a martyr. That makes it even better. How many times in the Division 2 have we heard Vivian Conley shouting over the comm systems, we're going to finish what Joe Farrow started! That is exactly that exactly. plot. We killed Joe Farrow in Division 1. Someone took up his mantle in Division 2 yep. and got the cleaners back together and is yep. continuing to light stuff on fire. <laughs> and that's the thing is is that the, con- the, the, the thing that is sitting on top of everything, that linchpin, that the, 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 the green death is still out there. Mm-hmm. It's still affecting the world, and that's why these people are driven to get rid of it. Yep. It yep. doesn't change. Nothing stops. Nothing stops. Nothing stops. So um, one thing came in uh, when I was, I was looking here, and that was uh, somebody had asked us an interesting question. And I want to, while we have a couple seconds here uh, yeah, sure. before we get to questions. Um, We're running a little bit, a little bit uh, little quick, light, actually. Yeah, so, we, yeah. we kind of hit that pretty fast, is Dracula. 
Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay, okay, I'm into it. It's a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we recognize it as a good story. Mm -hmm. What's the linchpin in Bram Stoker's Dracula? I have my idea. I think I know what it is. Um, There's an inciting incident that's obvious. I, I See, here's the thing. I don't know that I know the story well enough, but I'm going to say the linchpin is actually Jonathan Harker. Okay, why is that? Um, just simply because, well, for, first of all, I, I've, if, as far as I know, the book is actually told from his perspective. It is, but I'm, um, I'm talking in, in, in large, a in generality of the story. So assuming that Jonathan, uh, that Mina, that uh, that all of the characters, short of Dracula himself, because well, he's the BBAG. Right, what I'm saying, though, is that Jonathan going to Dracula's castle yes. is not only the inciting incident, but it's kind of the linchpin of him being there, because he's the one who, um, he, Mina is tied to him. But Mina dies in the past, which creates Dracula. That's the inciting incident. Without that... Nothing hap Nothing happens in the story, but that's the inciting incident that creates Dracula. Okay. The linchpin of the whole story. The only way the whole story sits together is Dracula is a blood sucking vampire. That is the linchpin of the story. Underline it. Okay. That is why he gets sent off is because Dracula is a blood sucking vampire who wants Mina back, and sure, he finds okay. her. Okay. Right. So he. He pulls this guy out of his out of that life so that he can expose himself to her and and try and get her to pull into his life. Meanwhile, all of the friends wrapped around that find out about a blood sucking vampire and start hunting said blood sucking vampire. Now Van Helsing wants to know your location. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So it fits underneath that scope. All other stories make sense. Without that, what what's the point? Okay. Okay. What's the point of the story? Yeah. And when it ends, when the blood-sucking vampire goes away, mm -hmm. the story is over. Yeah. That story ends. Is there a new story that could follow up after that? Sure, but it's going to be a totally different story. Sure, it it's ain't going to be about a blood-sucking vampire, though, yeah. Exactly. And it's not, not gonna be, that one. it's not going to be related to that. Maybe it's related to whoever created the blood-sucking vampire, but we already know what created the blood-sucking vampire, so no. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... When will you look at something when you're di when you're when you're diving into the diagnosis of your story to find your linchpin, remember that it's going to be the thing that everything can dangle from, and that once it's gone, everything falls apart underneath it. Mm -hmm. That's the key. That's the so if you're looking at somebody else's story, you're trying to mimic something because mimicry is again, like we say it all the time, do it. If you're a new storyteller but you want to mimic another story, do it. Just just change the theme, change the setting. You want to do World War II in space? Great. Have Star Wars fun. Do fun. Do do great things. Do you want to, you know, do do you want to have a an uh, an epic story about a uh, random ronin coming together to protect a small town? Uh do it in the Wild West. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now you got all these random gunslingers protecting a town, you know, a magnificent seven. Exactly. And all of these things sit around a tight linchpin that holds the whole thing together. Yep. Yep. And then any story can be told. And again, your players are going to create characters that have to come into that story. And they're, they're not tied to the linchpin. Their stories are tied to the linchpin because that's the key. Mm -hmm. Then you can do anything with it. And they can be funny. They can be hijink. It can be serious. It's whatever they need it to be. Sure, sure. You know? And there are many stories that fall under the same scope but come out very differently. Mm -hmm. That can come out seriously. That can come out playfully. That can come out uh, with control. We see it all the time, right? Yeah. 
And all of them have common linchpins. It's something we're used to seeing as a trope. But their stories that sit underneath and the MacGuffins that are used to drive them are different. Mm-hmm. And don't get so esoteric that you're like, the linchpin of my Marvel story are heroes triumph. That's that's not a linchpin. That's a theme. That's a theme. That's a theme, yeah. So you have to kind of look into it to create that statement. It kind of has to be a concrete thing. And that's that's why I said it's kind of an intersection between your, your theme, your setting, and your inciting incident. Because mm-hmm. your setting and your inciting incident are concrete things in the world. Correct. It's it's an event, it's a place, but it's also it's also a continuing through line um through your entire story. So um all right, I think we have belabored beaten that dead horse quite a bit. That's fair. Um uh Heatsink is saying lost internet for a bit. Did you lose internet or did we lose internet? Mm. I don't think we can lose internet. No, I'm I'm watching all... this right now, so okay. we're still streaming. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Just yeah, I think sure. I think we're solid here, so. Um all right, that said, do you want to get into uh questions? the few questions? Yeah, I think we yeah. do only have a few questions. I think we've already covered all these, but uh by all means, I would say let's let's hit the few that we have. Um they're all from Nevin. Um what uh, what to do if the MacGuffin is not interesting to your players? Okay, so now this is a good question, I think. And I don't think we covered this one. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a real tricky one. When you try to, like, throw out a plot hook and be like, hey, guys, there's this mystical orb that you should, you know, that's, like, super important. And they're like, meh. We, I, I don't think it's that important, and frankly, you know, I don't like the people that this orb is attached to. Screw it. If they get their orb stolen from them, that's their problem. So that's where you have to get – you have to tie it back to the linchpin. The orb is just a MacGuffin within the story, right? The linchpin is there's a god who's channeling energy through those orbs, and every time they are used – it draws something else from the world. It hurts the world. Okay, so now we know what that orb does within the world and how it ties to the linchpin. So now what do you, how do you tie that back to the players? How do you make it matter to the players? Well, you show off what it's doing by using the linchpin. Mm-hmm. So you could easily say, like, you know, you could have someone present saying, hey, we believe that there's some new power in the north. What do you mean? Well, a tower that hasn't been used for centuries suddenly has gone dark and around it undead have risen. Oh, well, that's bad. We fear that that taint will spread farther to the south for every day the wood grows darker Mm -hmm. north of us and more and more go missing. We need you to go check that out. You get there and you find out that there's just a very sad individual who's been channeling for the last X number of days because he's being told that with enough souls, he'll be able to bring back his wife mm-hmm. because she tells him that she'll do it for him. She who? Whatever the orb lady is. Oh, okay. N- now what, what orb lady? N- n- <laughs> you know? Now it's tied yeah. back to this linchpin and the orbs have meaning. Yeah. 
You know, and you go, okay, we took care of that orb. Oh, there may be others. <laughs> See, the big the big thing to me, like, is, like, okay, if the MacGuffin's not interesting to your players, that doesn't mean that MacGuffin ceases to exist. Correct. Um, And, uh, like, depending on, like, okay, so if, if this is a story of the MacGuffin being, you know, something that they have to keep from the big bad evil guy. Okay, it's not interesting to them, so the big bad evil guy gets it. Congratulations. Is the big bad evil guy important to your players? Because now he has the MacGuffin, and he's going to do bad things with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or people that your players do care about don't have the MacGuffin anymore, so now they're suffering for it. You know, it's it's all about, I, I think, about handing them consequences. If they're not interested in it, make it interesting. Right. And and that's where their backstories, mm-hmm. where the investment comes from. We've talked about this before. Make them invested in a town and then make that, the effects affect that town. Now they're they're not liking it. Yeah. Now you have a micro MacGuffin, right? Mm-hmm. You have a sicked child. There you go. There's your device. Yep. That leads them to the next MacGuffin that are yep. all tied to this larger story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when do you use a MacGuffin? Um, MacGuffins are an action tool. Yeah. They are to create action within your story. Action by pressure. So action by pressure, action by incentive. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a, I use the term pressure in quotation marks there. It is, it is a political, it's a plot pressure on your players to have action, Mm -hmm. either to react or have direct action into something. Yep. That is what its purpose is. You need to go here. You need to do this. You should feel this way about this thing. Right. It should lead you to, it should inform you of. Those types of things. That's mm-hmm. what a MacGuffin's purpose is. Otherwise, it is pointless. Yep. It should it should not have significance. Yeah. That's yeah. The, the and the least the more insignificant the item is to your plot, but significant to your players, the the better you will uh, you will be able to adapt it in your story. Having a sick child who's inflicted by something that the players are very invested in. Mm-hmm. Is one of the greatest things you can have. That child has no significance. Real, they get better, great. They just get better, and suddenly everybody feels happy that yeah, that the, person the, got the better. the plot's not going to revolve around them anymore. You're not going to see them three scenes from now. But right now, there is a sick child, and your characters have got to feel some kind of way about that. Right, especially if they're invested with that child in any way. Yeah. So... Um, when do you use a linchpin? Well, always. You always are using your linchpin within your campaign as a as a force for you to recognize what you're doing. I think I think there's maybe one exception to the rule. Okay. And that is sandbox games. Um, I think you can go without a linchpin in a sandbox game. I know you're kind of squinting because you and I tend to do, like, very plot-driven games. I I don't like sandboxes. You don't like sandboxes. So my alternative statement to this is you you instigate a a linchpin when you need something that is going to be more than one or two MacGuffins. If you need something to create a plot, whether it's in a sandbox or anything like that, where you need to expand upon the story... Uh, a linchpin is going to give you your best way to do that, your best foot forward to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're creating a story in a world and you've got your world and there's all kinds of neat stuff in it, but you're like, okay, well, I really want them to to go off and 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 visit with this this uh, this far off land. 
Okay, how do I get them over there to start doing things? Give them delivery mission. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a start point yeah. of anything. But now you need to keep them in that area. That's the key. You need but, to keep the interest. But here's what I'm saying, I think, though, yeah. about, about sandbox games. I think you, run, you, ran, you ran right back to doing a plot point game. Right. Not what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. At no point in a true sandbox game are you ever going to go, I want them to go this direction. That's true. That's true. Doesn't matter. That's not a sandbox. That's a plot point. That's true. That's if true. If it's truly a sandbox, they're the ones making that call. Mm-hmm. Ergo, you never have the call for the linchpin because it's entirely player-driven. Yeah, everything is just a hook. Yeah. Everything's just a hook. Everything's just a hook, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Is there an efficient type of MacGuffin or linchpin to keep the story running? War. Direct conflict. Is is by far the most effective linchpin because there is always conflict. Say it's pretty reliable. Like, you really, I mean, and that, again, that conflict does not have to be physical conflict. Social, economic, uh, houses, political, all of that is under the rivalry conflict. And it doesn't have to be one-on-one. It can be a triad kind of fight. But that point of conflict always will create tons of reason for MacGuffin. Very reliable. You know why? Hmm. Because war. War never changes. It doesn't. It really doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't. That is the the truth of the matter. I think the second one you really ran across, and that is a environmental pressure, mm-hmm. like uh, like the green poison. Yeah, you know where it is something that is not easily stoppable, a force that is not something that is putting pressure on everyone equally. Yeah, it's just kind of omnipresent. I, I say. Quote, quote, unquote, equally. Because yeah. some people are going to be able to manage it. It's an environmental factor, though, you know, right. that has to be accounted for in everybody. And... Right. Um, you see this a lot in games where, like, the demons show up. Like, mm-hmm. portals just show up and demons are suddenly in the world. Some people are having a heck of a time with it. Other people are floating around on their skyships, kind of just monitoring the situation. Yep. You know? Yep. But, again, that's an apocalyptic situation that is either in progress or at the end of it. Right. And those types of things create global pressure on all fronts. And that's what helps create those moments. Um, I think the last one um, that is reliable, but it's harder to really put into words without without setting specific situations is time. Mm -hmm. Um, A train goes from place to place. Right. The events occur on the train. They're going to end when the train gets to its stop. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's that's where you put pressure on to everyone again by having a single linear point of reference. Uh, I'm going to add one more. Sure. Um, and it's kind of vague. Okay. It is the thing that whoever you're telling the story about needs um, to elaborate on that. We talk a lot about in writing your NPCs. Every one of your NPCs should have a uh, a desire. Yes. A thing that they want out of the world, even mm-hmm. if it is just to be left alone. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody everybody should want something. If you need to pull the players in a specific direction, if you need to guide them, you know, in, in, in one way or another, if you need an inciting incident, what does the important NPC need? Mm-hmm. Even what does one of your PCs need? Yeah. Dangle it. Yeah. Put it put it into the plot. Somewhere. That's the most efficient MacGuffin by far. Yeah. I think if you're if we're talking MacGuffins, that's that's by far the most efficient one. Because at that point the interest is embedded. Yeah. It is a need. 
Yeah. And then and then you can do anything you want with it. Like, you know, right. we, we, we went over several of these, you know, the, the, the football plays, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you dangle that need out there and the big bad evil guy shows up or it, an antagonist shows up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now that need is, is, is in danger because that other antagonist might take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now you've got conflict or maybe you say that their need is the thing that they need is there, but it turns out not to be there. And now they're going on a journey to find it. Yep. Their princess is in another castle. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. You can get just just figure out the thing that they need and and put it in front of them. Don't give it to them. Put it in front of them and see what conflict springs up from that. Yeah, it's the carrot in front of the, the pig. Yes, it you is know. the carrot in front. It is the carrot dangled from the stick. Yes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, we, we we effectively those are the the two major ones, which is carrot or stick. <laughs> carrot or stick. And we yes. already know sticks don't work for players. Beating your players do not really move them. No, no, it does. They don't. They because they they take it as a challenge. Correct. They'll just <laughs> grind against it. Mm-hmm. You know, or suck it up, and and make 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 mashed potatoes or whatever they they're gonna make with it. So, um, all right. So our next one hundred and one is about death and lethality. Which is something that is talked about all over the place in tabletop RPGs. Sure. We always say death is the end of a story. Mm-hmm. But it is not in every case because there are games that are roguelike where literally you might come to the table with four characters. Mm-hmm. Because you're expecting to have them just literally get vaporized. You might be playing Wraith. Death is the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is true. That mm-hmm. is true. And that's an interesting concept of death when you talk about Wraith. Yeah. But realistically, there's a lot to really unpack there, and we're going to try and keep it to a 101. We really, 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 really are. <laughs> well, there's, I think, some good concepts we can we can, we can can impart into our newer storytellers there to kind of relax the idea of death and killing your players and feeling bad about it and stuff like that. So. All right, let me give you 30 seconds to talk about next week's topic, and I'll get you rolling. So next week's topic is a uh, it's second, second Wednesday of the month, so we're going to be doing another system spotlight. This time, we're going to be going back to Free League. It's a uh, company that we we really love, and we're going to be talking about Morkborg. I, I'm probably not ta- saying that correctly, but uh, Morkborg is a pitch black apocalyptic fantasy RPG about lost souls seeking redemption, forgiveness, or the last remaining riches in a bleak and dying world. Really if black wait. metal, yes. <laughs> if black metal, if Norwegian black metal were a role playing game, it's Morkborg. <laughs> All right, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. Uh, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And please join us up on our Discord. We'd love to have you join the discussion, talk with the other great storytellers that are up there, bounce campaign ideas off them, and shoot us questions for the show. We'd love to answer them on the air. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd also like to thank uh, our uh, Patreon members who support us every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really do appreciate your support. You can Our intro music, uh, or pre-show music, I should say, is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at uh, patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for thank loving you. and supporting us. Our friends who sat with us at our tables all these years and give us these great stories to share with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you guys so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.